0: I'm Angela Cocott in for Alex Pearson. You're listening to On Point. In our next half hour, hope you can hang around for this. It was yesterday that we were talking about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, their defamation trial, and how Johnny Depp claimed, alleged, that he actually was the victim of domestic abuse, not the other way around. So we were talking with a professor who said, yeah, it's actually higher than you think when it comes to incidents of men being the victims of domestic abuse, which had me wondering what? So tonight we're going to find out about um, a shelter in Toronto for men and their children. We'll be doing that just after seven 30 right now though, Canada's beekeepers are sounding the alarm. Hives across the country have seen huge losses and replenishing those numbers is proving to be a challenge. George Scott, President Niagara Beeway joining us this evening. George, thanks so much for your time.
1: Angela, thanks for having me this evening.
0: So, do beekeepers traditionally lose some of their hive over the winter?
1: One of the beautiful things about keeping bees is, over the winter time when they go into their hibernation mode, they automatically lose the weakest ones in your bee yard, which is actually a good thing. So. 5 to 15 percent losses are normal. It's healthy. Those ones weren't going to make it anyway. And our Canadian winters, in particular in Niagara, are absolutely ideal for beekeeping.
0: So 5 to 10 percent normal. It keeps the hive strong. What have you been seeing this spring as we leave winter?
1: Well, I've been doing this, and I really hate to say this number, it makes me feel old. I've been doing this for 50 years, and I'm a multi-generational guy, like many beekeepers. This is the worst I have ever seen. We've been all over Lisa Thompson, the Minister of Agriculture, with this. We've been all over Paul Kozak, the provincial apiarist, with this. Um, We find across the country that the problem is the same, and the rationale that they're using about a parasite called the Varroa destructor being the cause We've had the Varroa destructor for almost 20 years. In particular, in the last 10 years, we manage that. We know the damage that it can create. Do not look at the man behind the curtain is what they're using Varroa destructor for because that simply is not accurate. It is it is a dangerous problem for beekeeping, but it isn't what killed our bees.
0: And when we're talking about killing your bees, if you said normally it'd be 5 to 10%, what are the percentages you or other beekeepers are seeing in their loss?
1: In 15 of our yards down here, those are my apprentices and my own yards right now uh, where we would normally, uh, this was our makeup year where we would make up hives, strong hives so that we could split for 200 hives. We have one. And this one is so weak in, in past years, I would have terminated this hive because it was so weak. But right now, since it's the only one I have, I'm babying it along, just trying to get it to survive. We have no bees.
0: Holy, okay, you've been in it for 50 years. I'm glad of your longevity because you also can look back then. In those 50 years, have you had winters like this in the past?
1: Never. We've never seen anything like this. And and we've been doing sampling now from the dead outs. Those are hives that didn't make it through the winter. And we're looking for very specific combinations of chemicals that we've been tracking for the last two years that are becoming more and more and more in our environment. But we're not getting any help from the provincial government or the provincial APRS office to do this type of study because they could say it's Varroa. If, in fact, it was Varroa, then they're off the hook. That's a parasite. If it is, in fact, chemicals that come from a different sector or from our urban use or just living like human beings in this environment, something that's getting out there that's combining with something else that we don't know about, that's what's killing the bees. This, this so you is need, a,
0: you, sorry, sorry, go ahead, George.
1: This is an exposure issue. And some people say, well, the varroa can bite something and reduce the immunity. More likely it's the chemicals that they're being exposed to that's dropping their immunity.
0: Whether it be the chemicals or varroa mite, how do you determine that for sure? Is this where you're saying to those different levels of government and organizations, let's do further investigation?
1: Well, certainly. If we find them in certain sections of the hive that the bees don't go there until a certain time of the year, like their winter stores of food, and the concentration of that chemical isn't at an acceptable layer in the field. In in farming it's a, at an acceptable layer. However, bees do a very unique thing. What they do is, like the maple syrup guy who takes 20 gallons of maple sap and boils it down to make one gallon of maple syrup for your pancakes, bees take 60 gallons of nectar to boil it down, but they don't boil, they use Armstrong steering, they use ventilation with their wings, to take it from 60 gallons down to one gallon of honey. However, these chemicals that we're talking about do not evaporate. So let's say that you've got a safe level of insecticide and fungicide in the field at three parts per billion. That's in 60 gallons. You divide that by 60 or multiply it by 60 because you are a bee and you're reducing it. Now you're at 180. That's almost three times your toxic level. It doesn't kill you until you go to winter and you eat it and you die. That equation we're looking at, all beekeepers are looking at at that equation, and all beekeepers are saying, we need to look at that. And the government has been silent on that issue.
0: George, talk about the role that bees play, the bigger picture, because, yeah, you can get some great honey from them, but also their role in, in pollination and in our whole food sector.
1: Many of our beekeepers down in Niagara do not even make honey. Many of them are only interprovincial pollinators. Those are people with thousands of hives that provide a very good income for their families by keeping their bees in good shape so that they can get to other agricultural sectors like our berry people, like our orchard people, like our blueberries and our cranberries. All of those, um, if you don't have bees in your field and you're a blueberry you can make about $400 an acre as a blueberry guy. If you put the right number of bees in there, you can make $2,000 an acre. Mm -hmm. When you have 4,000 acres, that is your business. Without bees, they're in deep trouble, and there is no substitute. The honeybee is the tool that we use today. The native pollinators are simply not strong enough. They're not They're not capable. They do not come to peak times when all of the industrial pollination is needed. The honeybee is the only way to do this. Otherwise, farmers have to change crops to things that don't need pollination, which is most of our high-valued food.
0: So when you're losing all these honeybees, can you get honeybees? I I know right across the country I've been reading about these issues and whether it's blamed on chemicals or mites. But where can you get honeybees to hopefully replenish your hives to be able to have a season? Is that possible?
1: Since 2014, we've been working with the CFIA. They control the insects that can come into this country. You need a permit. You need a veterinarian there at the end and a veterinarian here in Toronto Airport where we receive them. We made an allegiance in 2014 to become a national distributor of Ukrainian genetics. Those are Ukrainian honeybees. The Ukrainians are the largest bee people in the world. And when we looked way back, we knew a disaster was coming because we've had some significant 50-60% loss years In the past, we looked around the world to find a country that could reboot Canada if we had a disaster like this, and Ukraine is one of those. And we have many Ukrainians here who understand that. So we had it all set up to go. However, the government and their permit issues allow us to bring our queens in here. That's why Niagara Beeway understands so much about this. We've had the cancellation of 9,600 queen bees, Those are beekeepers who ordered queens, who are ready to split their bees after winter, put a new queen, one queen in each box, and now they've got new colonies. However, those beekeepers have cancelled their orders because they have no bees. They have no bees to split. They do not need queens to make more hives. Which means the whole system is now backed right up to the point where the blueberry guys are calling us, the cranberry guys are calling us and saying, What are we going to do here? This is a million-dollar loss for us. This is a $2 million loss for us. This is a $10 million loss for us. On Lisa Thompson, the Minister of Agriculture, shift, this country is going to lose $1 billion in pollination revenue. This is farmers' farm gate revenue, farmers who would be making money, maybe $300 in Ontario alone, but the East Coast is going to be demolished here Because Ontario cannot get our pollinator fleet to them. Niagara is key to this because of our microclimate. You can't do this business in Sarnia, and you can't do this business in Barrie, but you can do it in Niagara. And our losses in Niagara are like I've never seen.
0: Yeah, uh, really, thanks for uh, bringing this to our attention and your perspective on such a serious situation. We will follow it closely. Thanks again.
1: Angela, thanks for the opportunity. You're the best.
0: You bet. Uh, George Scott, President, Niagara Bee Way. Wow, we just take it for granted. Okay, bees, I like my honey. Oh, no, much bigger role in all those things when he's talking about blueberries and every other crop there. I'm Angela Cocott. in for Alex Pearson. Coming up after the break, we are going to be talking about one of the few shelters for men escaping domestic abuse. I'm Angela Cocott. back after this.